You're listening to the audio-only version of the Moe Gamer podcast. Don't forget you can watch a video version of this episode over on YouTube. Check moegamer.net for a link to the channel. And now, on with the show. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Moe Gamer Podcast. I'm Pete Davison. Uh, Chris isn't with us today, so I'm joined by a special guest today, who is Joe, host of Airy Channel over on Twitch. Hi Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great, Pete. Thank you so much for having me on. Not a problem. I know we've been uh, hoping to, to get together and do something like this for a while, so it's nice to finally have the opportunity. Yes, so, I agree. Yeah, so today we're going to be following the uh, the usual three-part format of this. We're going to start with uh, a discussion of some of the news that's been happening relatively recently anyway. Then we're going to move on to what we've been playing. And finally, we're going to have a discussion on a particular topic with uh, this, uh, this episode's discussion being on the subject of gacha games because the first anniversary of Fate Grand Order is coming up. So it's a nice timely uh, opportunity to do that. So, um, this episode was originally supposed to come out a week earlier, but I was struck down with uh, the dreaded plague or summer flu or something like that. So, some of the stuff we're going to be talking about is actually from E3, which feels like an eternity ago at this point. But, um, yeah, there's still some things worth talking about there that I wanted to bring up. So, we'll jump right in with some of those. All right. So, um, in no particular order... Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about Smash Brothers first of all, because that was probably the biggest story to to come out of E3 for a lot of people. Oh uh, yes, yeah. So new Smash Brothers uh, on the way to Switch, launching December seventh. Um, we're getting some new characters. We're getting all of the previous characters from previous Smash games, all the previous stages, and so on. It's called Smash Brothers Ultimate, uh, featuring Ridley from Metroid, which is a character people have been requested for a long time. Yeah, so it's uh, looking very cool. Smash Brothers is a series that I enjoy, but I've never got particularly hardcore into. But this this is looking like it's going to be sort of the definitive experience for it, I think. So, uh, yeah, so wh- what do you think of what you've seen so far? Um, I'm really glad that they are adding back all the characters uh, from the previous games because I'm someone who never had a Wii. I never got to play Super Smash Brothers Brawl. So it'll be great for me to play characters like, you know, Snake for the first time. I really want to play a solid Snake. Um, It seems like they're also bringing back some other mechanics, like Wave Dashing is back. Um, So that'll be good for the more competitive types. I'm like you, though. I I play it casually. Um, I unfortunately... The the last Smash Brothers game I got was on the 3DS, and that didn't really have an active community i mean it's kind of hard to have a community on the 3ds no, that's a shame but um yeah unfortunately it, it ended up dying off pretty quickly yeah so it'll be great to have a a unified ultimate version that we can all play and i'm hoping that uh, nintendo's um online service which they're gonna fully flesh out by the time by the time the game comes out i'm hoping it's good i'm hoping it's stable um it's been a little iffy with mario kart 8 i don't know how much experience you've had with that yeah i've, but, I've um, not had a huge amount of problems with it to be honest i've played a fair bit of splatoon 2 and uh, mario kart 8 online and i've had an, an occasional disconnect between sessions in mario kart but i've never had sort of drop connections in the middle of matches or anything so far so i don't know if that's related to my connection or anything like that but it seemed pretty stable to me so far so hopefully they'll have even better infrastructure in place when they've got some uh, some more money flowing in each month for that so that's that's the yeah. theory anyway 
I, I hope so too, and, and it seems like a good deal to me, especially in comparison to PlayStation Plus and uh, Xbox Live Gold. Um, I mean, $20 a year is just like nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And they're actually doing what I've been hoping they would do for a long time with the, uh, or, or what is going to be the replacement for Virtual Console now. So with this sort of subscription to old NES games and presumably there'll be some, some other systems covered at the point in the past. I've, I've been hoping they would do something like that for a long time because, I mean, it's great to have the opportunity to buy individual old games that you like, but even better to have them all just there waiting for you, I think, so... Yeah, I agree. All right, so that's uh, that's looking pretty good. So other stuff that came out of E3. Sorry, he's got slight hiccups. I'm drinking cider at the minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a summer's day, so I, so I, so I'm drinking Rosie's Pig Raspberry Roller, sparkling cloudy cider with raspberry juice and cucumber. That sounds amazing. It is pretty amazing, actually. So uh, if if I'm slurring my words by the end of this episode, uh, that's that's why. Anyway. Okay, uh, so other stuff that came out of E3, again in no particular order. Uh, Devolver Digital confirms that a game called Metal Wolf Chaos is on the way to PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC later this year. Um, now, I wasn't really familiar with this in the past, but a lot of people seem really excited about it. Had you come across this before? Yes, I remember reading about it in an LP. It, ma- it might have been a something awful LP, like a written LP. Yeah. Um, it's a really crazy game, you know... You know, two presidents are duking it out with giant mecha, and it's like, what's what are you guys even doing? It's like the most American game I've ever seen that isn't from America. I think that might be the best way to describe it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, it, and it's from software, so this is this is the guys who did Dark Souls, which is brilliant in my mind. It, I love it, it. it. It's nothing short of a miracle that this game is being localized and it's being published by such a prestigious indie publisher like Devolver Digital. Mm. If anyone was going to handle this, I'm glad it's them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Devolver are the perfect people to handle this, and uh, <laughs> the way they handled its announcement as well was fantastic. Just they pissed everyone off, and that was just perfect for for launching this. It was brilliant with their with their Mech America great hashtag and so on. It was, it was they knew exactly what they were doing. I absolutely, think so too. Absolutely perfect. So yeah, I'll be I'll be looking forward to that one definitely. Um, on the subject of mechs, have you looked into this um, the the one that Nintendo opened their presentation with at all? It was uh, what was it called? Demon Demon, Demon X Machina? Machina. Yes. I think it's supposed to be a spiritual successor to the Armored Core series. Yeah, there's some um, seriously prestigious talent working on it. I mean, there's people who worked on Armored Core, on Maycross, and all sorts of other things on there. So, yeah, there's definitely a very good pedigree there. It definitely gave me kind of an Evangelion vibe. Mm. Um, I, I really like the fact that you can make your own mech pilot. And I've played a lot of, you know giant robot games like super robot wars and gundam breaker and just being able to make your own character and customize your bot i'm probably going to spend hours with that um it, it sounds amazing and i can't wait to see and hear more about that yeah definitely i i thought it was a, a strange one for nintendo to open one but it was a strong opening definitely because it's got a really cool look to it it's got a sort of uh, cell shaded anime aesthetic to it that i really like so definitely one to watch i think yeah, I'm definitely glad that Nintendo is taking chances on new and different IP. Yeah, absolutely. So they they seem to be sort of spreading their wings quite a bit. If you look at the eShop now, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of sort of indie titles coming out on it as well. And uh, I mean, 
different people have different feelings about indie games of various descriptions and whether they're worthwhile but it's it's good that they're they're sort of allowing a, a really broad spectrum of things on the on the platform and i mean just things like the fact we got galgun 2 on the console is, is something that would have been unthinkable a few years back so yeah that's really nice i think into creates i mean i was talking to matt a couple months ago at paxis and he he really really likes the switch they all do yeah so i think we can see a we can look forward to a strong uh presence from them um on that platform and also nicholas nicholas is coming out with so many games soon yes yeah and nicholas are doing a great job with their packaging as well they they know that people people who are into smaller scale niche interest games they want those physical editions because it used to be that the the theory was um that sort of niche interest games would never get released if there wasn't sort of digital distribution but now i I think i talked about this with chris a couple of weeks back but it always seems to have gone back the other way these days where the people who are interested in these smaller scale games they want to have them on their shelf they want to have things like cave story blade strangers and such like on their shelf Mm -hmm. and and nicalis are really catering to that market by making sure they've got a nice manual in there putting in mini soundtrack cds and collectible things and such like without going the full-on limited edition route so yeah i'm really happy about that yeah i think they're gonna do just fine all right moving on uh there was a uh, moderately surprising announcement for tales of vesperia definitive edition at the xbox uh press conference of all places but it's been confirmed since then uh, that it will be coming to playstation 4 pc via steam and nintendo switch so have you played vesperia yet oh gosh years ago yeah yeah um i've i've been wanting to stream uh tales of vesperia for the longest time but uh i, n- I never actually owned a 360 i was just borrowing my brothers and i had no oh, way okay. to capture it so it's really nice because um now we're gonna get all the content that we were missing from the ps3 version we'll have yes. playable flynn we'll have that pirate girl whose name i can't remember but um there was that game was really good among the tales games it had an open world map there were so many side activities to do um you could do really really crazy high combos with your arts it's just so much fun to play and the protagonist you know yuri lowell he kind of stands out among jrpg protagonists because he's kind of like an anti-hero he doesn't really he's not like your typical good guy he's willing to do kind of violent things to bad guys kind of like the punisher to uh to make a change in the world and flint kind of acts as like the counterbalance like oh we can just fix the system from within why can't you just trust in that so yeah. there's kind of this, this like interesting dynamic between the two of them oh that sounds really cool yeah this is uh, I, I don't have a huge amount of experience with the tale series to date i've just played uh, the two zillia games um which i loved but uh, yeah, everyone is always saying that Vesperia is one of the best ones, and the the expanded version on the PS3 in particular being even better. So yeah, very much looking forward to this one. So yeah, me too. Good stuff. All right, uh, other stuff that came out around uh, sort of E3 time. There was a new uh, Atelier game announced called uh, Nelki and the Legendary Alchemists. So, um, how are you on Atelier? Um, I've only played a couple of the games, uh, Aisha, which I still have to finish, and um, you know, I think I think I really like Gus's art style. Mm. It's it's so it's so beautiful. It's almost like a watercolor painting. Yeah. Every time you look at it, they just make really really beautiful girls and environments, 
And uh, these games are so comfy. They offer something different than your oh, typical yeah. JRPG. It's it's um you know lots. If you love crafting, you absolutely need to get into Atelier. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's it's not like a combat focus series. Although the combat has gotten better with every game that they produce, they've streamlined a lot of things. They've removed time limits, which some people may you know that's kind of controversial, you know. But um, I think it's a really, really enjoyable, comfy experience. Mm, definitely. It sounds like this new game is going to be a, a slightly different from the, uh, the, the the main Atelier series that we've got. So this is going to be a, a town-building game, uh, which uh, features lots of different characters from the previous games. So, so far, I believe we've got um, characters like Marie, Meruru, Aisha, Sophie, and a few others uh, already confirmed for the game. Uh, so it's going to be one that sort of brings together all these past protagonists. So it's going to be a, a ton of series fan service for people who've been playing it for a long time. But See, also, I like that too. I like that there's a continuity. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, but at the same time, it's also clearly been designed to get some new people into the series as well. Because it's it's a huge series now. So I can imagine someone looking at it and going, well, where the, where the hell do I start with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd understand that too. Yeah, so uh, that sounded like being an interesting one. I'm very interested to see how it handles the, the town building in particular, because the, I think the last time I played a really good town building game was back on sort of PS2 with things like Dark Cloud and Dark Chronicle and so on. So it'll be interesting to see if they handle it like that or slightly differently. So it's definitely the right series to experiment with that with, though certainly. Yeah, we'll have to see how it turns out. Yeah. Okay. All right, a couple more things I wanted to talk about. Um, Limited Run Games had a uh, an interesting conference at E3, um, including a whole bunch of upcoming new uh, physical versions that they were planning. Uh, among other things, they seem to very much be planning to send the Vita out with a bang. So there's going to be physical versions for uh, Senran Kagura Bon Appetit, which is an excellent rhythm game. Um, that was Sol a nice surprise. I yes. wasn't expecting that one. Yeah, no, that was I. I sort of resigned myself to the fact that I was only ever going to have digital copies of that game. So yeah, I will be all over that when it appears. Um, but for Victor, they're also bringing physical versions of uh, Spelunky, uh, Phantom Break of Battlegrounds, uh, VA11 Hall A, Valhalla. Oh, um, I love all those games. Yeah, fantastic, right? Fantastic lineup, and a lot of them are coming to PlayStation Four as well. So like Phantom Break of Battlegrounds is coming to PS Four. Uh, physical version House of Fada Morgana as well that's supposed to be a really good visual novel um, that's one that I was expecting to stay on PC I mean it's not an adult one or anything like that but it's it's one that I didn't really expect to see on console so that's a, a pleasant surprise yeah uh, and then for Switch they're doing um, Dolph Story Ukulele Night Trap um, and Cosmic Star Heroine as well which is good um, they're actually mm. partnering up with Zeboid Games to uh, actually get the whole Switch release sorted so as well as just releasing the physical version, they're also helping them out getting it published on the Switch in general as well. So um, that'll be great. Cosmic Star Heroine was a lot of fun. Yeah, again, that's that's one I haven't got around to yet. I did back it on Kickstarter, but I've uh, I've sort of been waiting for all the all the patches to be in place before I played it. But um, yeah, definitely a good fit for the Switch, certainly. Um, okay, so a couple of things that have come up uh, a bit more recently than E3. Uh, Exceed Games announced uh, earlier today, I think, that they're bringing a new uh, Atomi visual novel to the West this fall. It's called London Detective Mysteria. I haven't actually looked into this a huge uh, amount yet, but I know that um, Hatsu from Exceed was very, very excited about it. 
It's it's her kind of game. On her personal <laughs> account, she does tweet a lot about playing Otome games. Yeah. So this may have been her brainchild for all I know. Yeah, it, it certainly sounds like something that she, if she's not the, the lead on the project, then she's certainly playing a very, very uh, active role in it. So uh, according to the description, uh, players will follow Emily Whiteley, a young woman who is attending a detective class at an academy in London. She will have a chance to find love while also solving the mystery behind a fire accident that led to her parents' murder. Yeah, so um, this was originally a PSP game, um, and it got ported to Vita with a bit more content originally. Um, mm. It looks like it involves sort of um, um, Bishonen versions of people like Sherlock Holmes and stuff in it. The artwork's really lovely, actually. Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be one to look out for, and uh, good to see XT branching out a bit into Atomic Games as well, because I know there's, there's a lot of demand for those that isn't really being met at the moment, so it's good to... Uh, good to see that uh, on the rise well i think i think axis had a couple of titles along the way didn't they, they yeah um... axis kind of led the way with it a bit so they they released things like um psychedelic of the black butterfly yes that's right um idea factory had a couple as well i think axis did did axis do sweet fuse on psp i can't remember i have no idea i think that was that but sweet fuse is amazing if you've never played it you play keiji inafune's niece <laughs> really yes you, you, wow. you play, yeah you play keiji inafune's niece as you go to an amusement park which gets taken over by a terrorist pig and uh yeah you you find love while defeating a terrorist plot it's great it's abso- <laughs> abso- pretty absolutely wild. fantastic um so yeah <laughs> so a london detective mysteria so that's coming uh, fall of this year uh that's about all we know about it for the moment and last thing I just wanted to bring up, I actually wanted to talk a bit more about this, but it turns out since I originally spotted what was going on here, um, things have happened behind the scenes. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, a couple of weeks back, there was uh, someone had claimed to have uh, dumped a bunch of uh, private collectors software uh, that was sort of previously unreleased Japanese games and so on uh, from mm. older platforms like uh, PC88, PC98 and so on. Um, and they were planning to put together a big archive of all this stuff that had never been seen before. Um, and yeah, I was really excited to delve into that. But unfortunately, it seems like um, there has been some drama behind the scenes of some descriptions, perhaps from the collectors themselves in the first place hmm. um, and people who feel a bit funny about piracy and the ways you preserve games and so on. So the, yeah, the, the guy who was behind it... Um, put up a, a post recently saying that he's, he's taking a mental health break from the project uh, huh. he, he believes he went about it the wrong way and he regrets possibly causing additional damage so he's stepping away for a bit so it's unfortunate that there's there's not a huge amount more to say on this at the minute but um, there are definitely a bunch of games out there somewhere that someone has probably already archived but uh, yeah the, the original person who was planning this project has, uh, has stepped away from it for the minute which is a bit of a shame but uh, I mean, that's like the first I've heard of it, but mm. uh, I'm definitely all for game preservation of any kind whenever whenever it can happen. Yeah, and there's there's been a, an interesting amount of it recently. So this this particular leak, I don't know if you saw the stuff about the, the early version of Pokemon Gold and Silver that was out as well. Did you see oh, any like of that? Oh, like the, uh, it was like a prototype version, Yeah, it was right? like a, a prototype demo version, I think. They had lots of stuff that it didn't end up in the main game and so on. This leak was apparently wasn't related to that, which is what a lot of people have asked. Um, so it wasn't related to that, but there, there seems to have been a fair amount of this sort of stuff going on recently. So it looks like we're 
in the process of discovering some forgotten classics which is nice but it's uh, how it's just, exciting yeah but just a case of, of handling it in the right way i think which is always a, a difficult question but uh, there you have it okay those are all the things i wanted to cover pretty much is there anything else you want to bring up that's happened recently uh not so, not that i can think of i mean i'm excited for the rest of exceeds lineup um i've got uh, senran kagra rebirth uh, burst renewal on yep. pre-order um i'm really looking forward to seeing some fate extella link because oh, yeah. i'm a huge fate fan and a huge musu fan so that's gonna be great for me um they're gonna be doing a i don't know if you knew this they're gonna be doing a localization panel at anime expo soon yes I did so that. i was hoping i was hoping that they would broadcast that so that we could watch it Maybe yeah, on like Twitch or somewhere. But yeah, that'd be cool if they did. Definitely. They haven't. They haven't confirmed that they're doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. They've definitely got some good stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, yeah, Senran Kagura is always a good time. Um, this um, they're doing that weird rhythm game as well, aren't they? Was that them? Gal Metal from Tak Fuji. Yes. Oh, how I would have loved to be at E3 and meet him. <laughs> it would have. It would. I would have been starstruck. I probably. Yeah. Hip. Both him and uh, Takaki-san were there. Yeah, he was. They oh. were just signing autographs, I think. Oh God, I, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I've I've, <laughs> I've run in I've run into sort of personal heroes a few times at game conventions. Like uh, I went to PAX a few years back, and um, I was playing on some like thirty-year-old arcade machine, and I turned around and behind me was this guy called Don Woods, who was the guy who made the original adventure game ever created. And, oh wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was completely starstruck and literally speechless. And the friend I was with at the time just mocked me for about a week afterwards. It was just ridiculous. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure I'd be able to, to handle that. But, uh, yeah, mm. <laughs> would be a good story to tell anyway. Totally. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's hold that segment there for the minute. And we'll be back in just a few moments to talk about what we've been playing recently. All right. Welcome back. As usual for our second segment, we're going to spend a bit of time talking about what we've been playing recently. So, uh, Joe, you ready to talk about something? Since you're our guest, I can let you go first if you're ready to go. Uh, sure. Uh, so my, my time has been split between two games lately. Um, I just entered the Final Fantasy V Four Job Fiesta, which I don't know. Do you know what that is, Pete? You've mentioned it before, but uh, tell me a bit about it for the benefit of people listening. Okay, so the Four Job Fiesta is a annual event. It's usually held in the summer between June and August. Um, it's for charity. Um, the money goes to Child's Play, which is you know a, a charity that benefits children's hospitals nationwide. Um, and it's a challenge run where you use Twitter to have a bot pick out four jobs for you. So normally you would pick I mean you would tweet each time you reach a crystal so the first one when you register is chosen for you the wing crystal job and then right. it selects a job from each crystal and you have to stick with those four jobs for um, until you beat X death and then you can do whatever you want um, okay. so it can be pretty challenging for uh, pe people new to Final Fantasy 
Final Fantasy V, I wouldn't recommend doing it if it's your first time playing. <laughs> um, and there's all kinds of other rules and restrictions that you can use to make it way more challenging for yourself and pull your hair out. Yeah, I've seen people talking about doing things like sort of pure chaos runs and stuff. Are those to do with that? I did a chaos run. So the difference between chaos and pure chaos is that it excludes um, the freelancer job and the mime job. The okay. mime job isn't actually terrible to have as so long as your other three classes are good. But, um, you know, when you first register, like before the event starts, you can do something called Berserker Risk where people donate like a set amount of money and that money increases your chance to get a berserker and one year i ended up with multiple berserkers like three berserkers <laughs> and a beastmaster which is a terrible combination to have and i just ended up re-rolling everything after that um <laughs> so like one of the caveats is if you hate what you get for one of your job crystals you're allowed to pay money pay to the charity to re-roll your jobs and get like a better outcome so if you do a random roll it's less money but if you want a specific class you have to pay more and i think freelancer costs the most right i get you so i've been lucky i've been pretty lucky i i got samurai i got uh what i what i get time mage um chemist and Ugh, Geomancer was my one terrible class. Geomancers <laughs> are terrible in Final Fantasy V. They are only good for avoiding tile damage, and uh, th their damage output is so unreliable, it's so low. They cannot take hits. They are absolutely awful. Um, as much as I love Final Fantasy V as a game, some of the classes they put in are really close to useless. They're, they're just <laughs> pathetic. They're yeah. only good when used in conjunction with other classes, so I think that's the way it was meant to be designed. You're, you're kind of meant to multi-class, but, I mean, that's that's how it is. I still have to finish that run. I don't know when I'm doing that. My mo my The majority of my time has been focused on Xenoblade 2, getting through that story. Um, and I've had a kind of a rough time with it, because there's so many systems to keep track of. Like, yeah. so many stats and things. Um, the world map isn't the greatest. Um, you can get lost pretty easily, you know, just, like, trying to find where you're supposed to go, using the waypoints and things. I think that could have used some refinement, but, um... It's know, actually had some refinement since the original release, so, so you're playing on the improved version at the minute. Yeah, there's been... A, I know there's been a lot of patches that's come out. There's, like, a challenge mode now. You can mm. get Shulk and Fiona, which I've yet to try. Um... But um, I, I like the game itself. I mean, I like the story. I, I love the characters, especially Poppy. Poppy is yeah. <laughs> probably my favorite <laughs> character in the game. Um, what else do I like? Um, shoot, I like the little arcade game they have in there, Tiger Tiger, where you can build up Poppy skills. Yeah. Um, I'm you like, will like that for a while, and then you will hate it. Yeah, I probably will <laughs> hate it. After a certain point. <laughs> I'm, I'm close to 60 hours in it. I'm hoping to finish it by the 10th because that's when Shining Resonance Refrain comes out and I hope to god that turns out good. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people hyping for that. So that's that's been pretty much it for me. Okay, cool. Well, 
Um, so what have I been doing? So this month on Moe Gamer, I've been covering the Shantae series. So uh, just recently, I have finished off Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, which we had an article in a video go up about uh, just recently. And so I've been playing the latest version of that, the latest installment in that series called Shantae Half Genie Hero. I've got the Ultimate Edition that came out a while back that is uh, the physical version that comes with all the DLC included and so on. So yeah, been having a blast with that. Um, you, you familiar with Shantae at all? Yes, I, I actually played uh, Half Genie Hero, and um, I, I backed it on Kickstarter. Um, mm. And so what lured me in was uh, Christina V, uh, the voice actress, singing songs as Shantae. I'm like, oh my god, she sounds great. <laughs> I've got to have this. I'm, I'm a big fan of Christina V. In yeah, she's, she's pretty in. great. So that sold me on it. It looks beautiful. Um and uh, the, the boss fights are great. The, the Mextroidvania exploration is great. You, you really cannot go wrong with Shantae. It's it's a wonderful series. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, having it been playing the whole series back to back as well, it's been really interesting how it's evolved over time as well. So none of them have sort of drastically reinvented the formula at all, but they, they've all done their own twist on it, which has been really nice. So like Half Genie Heroes thing is that it's... It's a bit less of the sort of inter interconnected open world that you typically expect from a Metroidvania and more discrete levels. But you go back to those levels several times and you explore them in more detail and you come back with more abilities and there's completely different pathways you can take and so on. And then when you finish the whole game, there's all this DLC as well, which gives you completely different ways to experience all those levels all over again. So like playing them as risky boots is different. Uh, there's the, the beach mode where you have to run through the whole levels collecting sunscreen before Shantae catches fire and explodes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and there's, uh, I think there's a, there's a ninja mode and like an officer mode as well that I haven't tried yet as well. So, oh, yeah, is that based off of the uh, Mighty Switch Force? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, and and then there's the the sort of final story DLC which lets you play as the side characters Bolo, Sky, and Rotty Tops as well. So looking forward to that definitely so yeah having an absolute blast with that at the moment it was a good choice for uh, for covering this month uh besides that i spent a little bit of time with uh splatoon's octo expansion um not as much as i wanted to because i'd be i i did the uh, the first episode of a let's play on it and then promptly fell ill so i haven't played any more of that because i wanted to record my mech stuff with it but uh, uh yeah but uh, yeah, Splatoon 2's Octo expansion is basically Splatoon 2 single player on ultra hard mode. <laughs> really, it's that difficult. Um, I I, I don't know if it, it it's not sort of like unfairly difficult or anything, but it it does kind of uh, demand that you are familiar with all of the basic skills already. Uh, so it, it doesn't sort of teach you through the the, the basic things, uh, sort of environmental objects and how they work and that sort of thing. It throws you right in there and sort of expects you to know those things and then gives you different types of challenges that you won't have seen before. So it has several different types of levels. Uh, some are simple sort of get to the finish, which are similar to how the original single player mode handled things. Uh, then there's uh, what it calls eight ball levels, which is where you have to get uh, a rolling ball from the start of the level to the finish by shooting it, knocking it around and that sort of thing. That leaves a trail of ink behind it as well, so you can sort of use that to your advantage and so on. But of course, all those levels are designed in such a way that the physics will fuck you up at every opportunity. So you've got to make <laughs> sure it doesn't fall off cliffs and that sort of thing. So um, there's those ones. There's ones that are uh, very grind heavy. So like you jump onto a rail at the start of the level and the whole level is pretty much you grinding rails and shooting things as you go past at high speed. 
Ooh, that sounds that like pretty fun. difficult. Yeah, they're really fun, it's, but it's 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 pretty difficult as well because they're pretty quick. Um, and the whole thing's got a really really nice atmosphere to it at all as well. Um, so the whole thing is sort of set in this subway system that you don't really know what's going on and there's some sort of links to the original splatoon single player story so you meet some characters from that including the the player character from the original splatoon and so on mm. and uh octoling is adorable and cute and i love her um <laughs> but uh yeah so that's that's a lot of fun so if you have played splatoon to death and you want more splatoon then uh, octo expansion is very much worth the money um what else have I been playing? Uh, besides that, uh, pretty much all I've been doing besides those uh, sort of big games are I've been um, unashamedly emulating some old Game Boy games. Oh, really? A couple of which I've yeah, a couple of which I've uh, covered on my site already. So those being uh, Game Boy Gallery, which is the the first installment in the Game and Watch series. Oh yeah, uh, I remember playing that forever ago. Yeah, so the the original version of that for some reason only came out in Europe, didn't even come out in Japan or America. Um, so it didn't have the the Mario characters that they put in the original one. So it was just sort of um, sort of Game Boyified versions of Mr. Game and Watch doing things. But yeah, those games still hold up really well, despite being really simple. Uh, the Game Boy Color version of Mario Tennis as well, which is an amazing game. Um, really, wasted. A l- yeah, it's fantastic. Honestly, Game Boy Color version of Mario Tennis is better than the N64 version for single player, definitely. Wow because the um the whole thing with it is that um it's uh, it's a rpg oh so, so there's a story and everything yeah yeah absolutely so um i mean there there are some sort of quick exhibition matches and mini games you can play with the mario characters but the main bulk of the game mode in mario tennis on game boy is that you uh play uh, a boy or a girl character that you pick at the beginning uh, you go to this tennis academy to learn how to play tennis. You level yourself up. You do training exercises. You do drills and all sorts. You get experience points. You buff up your character. You beat the crap out of everyone in your academy and prove yourself to be the best tennis player in all existence. And then you go and play this tournament with the final boss being Mario. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's, it's, Mario's the yeah. final boss. It, yeah, it's it's crazy. And it's so incredibly playable. Um and it's it's really weird in that it's a Mario sports game in which if you're playing that main single player mode you don't see any Mario characters until right at the end mm. <laughs> uh, but it manages to sort of carry itself on on its own characters it's got a, a kind of sort of Pokemon type atmosphere to it so everyone is sort of really friendly and funny and everyone's got things to say about what you've been doing and it's it's just a nice, like we were talking about Atelier. It's a nice, comfy game to play. It's, it's it's a game that wants you to have fun, but it's also it's also really challenging, particularly once you get into this tournament as well. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. I think it's available on um, 3DS as well if you want to check that out. Oh, really? Uh, hmm. Yes, yeah, it's on the 3DS Virtual Console, so definitely worth checking out. Um, the main reason I, I wanted to play that was, of course, with uh, Mario Tennis Aces having just come out as well. Uh, I haven't picked that up yet because I'm going to grab that after payday. But uh, I've heard very, very good things about Mario yes. Tennis Aces. Yes, I have as well. And one of the things I particularly liked hearing about it is the fact that it's it's once again got a fairly substantial single-player adventure mode in it as well. It's not quite the same as how this Game Boy version handles things in that you are you are playing Mario characters and taking them through a, a linear story rather than um, the slightly more freeform experience you had there. But 
yeah it looks like there's a lot of interesting things like boss fights and mini games and all sorts of things in that as well so i'm looking forward to picking that up when uh, when i've got some money <laughs> you're still gonna have right. money after the uh, steam sale ends <laughs> I, you know what I, I I haven't bought anything on Steam for quite a long time actually largely because uh, well one a lot of the things I want I've already got um, and two also as as I talked about with Chris in the last episode I, I actually tend to prefer to buy a lot of my PC games elsewhere these days to make it a bit easy to sort of archive them mm. so a lot of um, sort of big releases I'll tend to get from places like GOG and such like now uh, visual novels I will get uh, direct from the publisher where possible because that also generally means you'll get an uncensored 18 plus version rather than the right, right. Steam version as well so um yeah I've, I've not really bought much on steam recently there are a few things i've got my eye on uh like for example there's uh but it's it's mostly sort of software rather than games so i've got my eye on uh like click teams fusion software which is a uh, a game making package which is the latest evolution of uh, a really old piece of software i used to use called click and play mm. uh, that i wanted to check out for a while that's about uh, 20 or 30 dollars at the moment i think down from a its normal price of about 60 or 70 so that's quite a good saving um the rpg maker and visual novel maker stuff on steam is yours normally a good price in these sales as well but i've already got all of them so um but yeah those are worth a look if you're ever interested in uh, getting a bit creative uh but yeah other than that there's a lot of big releases i tend to get on console these days anyway and um as i say other stuff i tend to get elsewhere so yeah i'm fairly safe from steam sales at the minute <laughs> i'm sure your <laughs> wallet will thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so all right anything else you want to bring up uh there's nothing else that i had Alrighty. okay so we'll take another short break and then we'll come back and we will talk gacha see you in a minute see you then Welcome back. Okay, for our third segment, we wanted to talk a bit about gacha games. Um, the reason we want to talk about this now is that the first anniversary of Fate Grand Order is coming up towards the end of this month, so it seems like a good opportunity to explore that, because uh, I know I've, I've played a bit of Fate Grand Order. Joe, I know you've played an awful lot of it out there. So, oh, um, have I? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, first thing then, just just give us a bit of context of what your experience with this kind of game is uh, in general. So, before I played Fate Grand Order, um, normally I would turn my nose up at this sort of game, like gacha games in general, because nobody likes, you know, microtransactions and things like that. But um, I was I was a big fan of Fate to begin with. I, I liked mm -hmm. Fate Stay Nights. You know, I watched Fate Zero, Unlimited Blade Works, and I had just seen Heaven's Feel in theaters um, not too long ago. So I was already pretty invested in this particular game. Um, so as, as far as Gotcha goes, um, this game has among the worst rates for... <laughs> four stars and five stars especially the five stars and you know they're transparent with how little of a chance you have to get any of this stuff i have been fairly lucky although i have also spent a substantial amount of money which i'm not willing to disclose on this podcast but 
Um, what really gets me about this game is that it, it has a solid story. You know, it has yeah. a solid visual novel story. And Fate has that whole appeal of, uh, you know, gender-bent hi historical and legendary figures. You can read all about them in their profiles. You can get to know them as characters. They have silly and funny moments. They have their own memes. They have that Gudako comic where, you know, the player characters can depicted as a complete crazy person which uh elicited, it, it actually pushed me over the edge to actually try this out and um yeah i've been having a really good time with it um they've been piling on a lot of events lately so there's no shortage of things to do in the game although i feel that it's kind of crowded right now they've had like three events in a row and mm. me with what with me working full-time and trying to run a twitch channel it's it's very difficult for me to keep up with. Um, yeah. But, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. I I, I mean, I was just going to give a, a bit of background to, to where I've been with this as well. So, um, I, I don't know how many people are, are familiar with sort of my life before the games press and so on, but um, sort of between, between the years of um, when I finished at GamePro at the end of 2011 and when I was on US Gamer, which was uh, 2013, I guess, um, between those years I was working for a site called um, Inside Social Games, which was a business-facing site that focused on things like Facebook games, mobile games, that sort of thing. And this was sort of around the beginning of the big explosion of free-to-play and gacha and that sort of thing. So I came into contact with quite a few of the earliest examples of this kind of game. So like I played Rage of Bahamut when it was uh, when it was new, for example, and thought it was one of the worst things I'd ever played. Mm. Um, because Rage of Bahamut was complete shit when it started because it, it looked like a 90s web page had no sound and just you didn't do anything in it <laughs> that sounds um, terrible so, yeah it was awful I mean the only thing it had going for it was it had amazing artwork and I guess that was sort of the main attraction and that still is the main attraction for a lot of these games is it's got amazing artwork and you want to collect your harem of waifus and so on but um, oh absolutely yes yeah Rage of Bahamut certainly had that aspect covered, but it didn't have the the gameplay side of things at all. So, and I saw a lot a lot of other games trying to kind of ape this experience during my time at Inside Social Games. There are a lot of other Japanese and Chinese and Korean publishers all trying to jump on this bandwagon because, despite Rage of Bahamut being complete crap, it was making a lot of money for them at the time. So, yeah, obviously, these, other these games print money. They do. Yeah. Exactly. So obviously a lot of people wanted to jump on that bandwagon and have a piece of the pie and so on. So uh, I saw a lot of them uh, at the time and it kind of soured me on the ideal for quite a long time um, until a few years later. So sort of after I'd finished covering these on a daily basis, um, I discovered a couple of other games. The first one that springs to mind is one called Valkyrie Crusade, which is not one that a lot of people have heard of these days, but it was it was semi-popular on Twitter for a while and it got a localization and so on. It had good artwork and so on. Um, and the interesting thing about that one is that it actually had some gameplay to it. So it had a combination of sort of city building and uh, sort of turn-based RPG combat in it. So it played pretty well as well as having the fun collectible aspect to it as well. It still had some annoying bits to it, like the city builder aspect was the kind of tap here, and it will take six hours to build this thing unless you pay money for it and so on. So that side uh, of things yeah, was a bit yeah. annoying. Oh. 
but it had it had a decent story it had good artwork and the the battling side of things was good it was also quite noteworthy and it was it was very fair with what it did with things like the energy bar and so on mm-hmm. so like the the first chapter of the game it didn't charge you any energy to use it or, and stuff like that so you could get through the beginning of the story without it throttling you at all or anything like that so i played that for a while um and then sort of got a bit bored and stopped um the next one i think i tried was uh brave frontier i think I've, that I, I think i've tried that for a little while it didn't didn't really hold my attention yeah brave frontier attracted me because uh one some people i follow on twitter were playing it and raving about it at the time and two it's got lovely pixel art for the uh characters and enemies in it so i wanted to try it just because it looked cool and uh, that one turned out to be um, a pretty fun game, actually. So it was a lot more interactive again. You have um, sort of turn-based battles, but they're, they're kind of almost Final Fantasy-inspired in that it takes characters a little bit of time to charge up, and then you tap on them to attack and so on. Yeah, did they have, some, did they have some crossovers, too, like with other IPs? Um, I, I think so, possibly. I think they, I think they did crossovers things like Puzzle and Dragons and so on. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing about Brave Frontier as well is that the developers then went on to make uh, Final Fantasy Brave Exvius as well, which was basically exactly the same game, only with Final Fantasy characters. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so if uh, so, if you played Brave Exvius, you've, you've played Brave Frontier. It's, it's the same kind of thing. They're both really solid gacha games. Um, the, the the actual story and gameplay side of things is good. Presentation of them is really nice, especially if you like pixel art. Um, oh, I do. So those I wor- do. Yeah. So so those are definitely worth a look. Uh, beyond that, I was then into uh, Grand Blue Fantasy. Yes, I played Grand Blue Fantasy for a short time too, and I was really amazed by the production values in that game. It looks so gorgeous. You know, it had all this voice acting. It was like, wow, I, I never knew they could make a mobile game look this good. Yeah, exactly. So so Grand Blue Fantasy is a, is a lovely looking game. It's got art by um, a guy whose name I've forgotten who, does, who did the art for like Final Fantasy Tactics and uh, final fantasy 12 and so on right uh so, so it's got a very distinctive art style they again they do lots of collaboration events and so on so uh they've done several events with things like idol master i think they've got a persona 5 one going at the minute yes i saw that that's really cool yeah so there's always the opportunity to, to get these additional cool characters in your party grand blue fantasy has also got a really um some really cool gameplay to it as well so it's battle sequences again they're turn-based uh, but each character's got unique skills um your main character you can equip them with different jobs and so on so there's this, this sort of final fantasy feel going on to it there um and it's 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 quite a satisfying one to play it's it's one that i find it's like you said with fake grand order though it's quite easy to feel like you're getting distracted with things so in grand blue fantasy i don't think i've ever booted it up and there isn't some sort of event going on yeah i th- i actually felt that grand blue fantasy was more overwhelming than fate grand order in terms of things to do because in in fate grand order you know you have choices between your dailies the story content or whatever event is um happening at the time and i felt it was much easier to navigate yeah so i think i think the thing with grand blue is it it kind of uh depends a bit more on you having a bit of self-discipline because 
um, if you if you play through most of the events, the, the the story context of the events in Grand Blue seem to assume that you've finished the main story. So sort of like you run into characters and like your protagonist and the other members in your party, they already know people. So if you ha- if you haven't reached that point in the main story, that 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 that's a bit of a clash there. So it's it it obviously assumes that if if you haven't already beaten the main story you should probably do that first which isn't a terrible idea because the main story is very generous with giving you crystals which lets you draw more um weapons and characters and so on as well so it's not a terrible idea to do that but at the same time when an event comes up and says limited time only you can get cute girls only for these two weeks (laughs) ah but the rates the rates in grand blue fantasy are far better than fate grand yes and on yeah. top of that, they are more generous with those super shiny crystals that get you SSRs. Yes, and on top of that as well, in most of the events, there's uh, at least one character you can get without having to involve yourself in the gutter at all. There's normally at least one character who is just a pure grind character. So if you're willing to sit there and grind away, then you will get that super, super rare character or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, none of, this, say, none of this is to say I'm bashing on Fate Grand Order or anything. I'm saying... No, me, absolutely. It's, for me, yeah. there's, like, pros and cons to both games. Yeah. There, there, there are, there's a different focus for each game, and I think that's good because, it, like I say, back in the early days, there was all of these developers trying to do pretty much exactly the same thing, and it got very tedious. Whereas now, you play Grand Blue and you play Fate Grand Order... And those are two very different experiences. If you then throw something like Girls Frontline in the mix, which is sort of the, the new hotness, then that's a different experience again. That's got a very different way of how you draw new characters and so on. So yeah. you, could, you could you could feasibly play those games alongside each other and not feel like you're, you're wasting your time or repeating yourself too much. Um, but as you say, the main issue is a lot of these games, they take a lot of time to really get into. Yes, and so if, if I'm not hooked within the first few hours of playing I'm, I'm probably gonna drop it and i am yeah. probably gonna unfortunately drop girls frontline because the game the gameplay really isn't doing it for me that's fair enough i mean as you say you're keeping yourself busy enough with with grand order so oh yeah i i, I think the thing a lot of people don't realize with this kind of game is that they are designed very much along the same lines as mmos um in that they are designed to be the more rewarding the more time you put into them you say mobile game to someone these days and they think oh it's a casual thing you play at the bus stop or whatever but but no if you want if you want to get good at grand blue fantasy or fake grand order or whatever then you are going to need to invest some time into it you oh yeah necessarily need you don't necessarily need to invest some money into it but you are going to need to invest some time into it certainly to, to yeah. grind up your characters and that sort of thing oh so, yes it takes so so much time to grind all the materials for ascension for powering up your skills you know to grail your your servants in, in fake grand order and you can do perfectly fine with you know one two three star servants the silver servants yeah some of them can outdo uh the gold servants in terms of damage like take for instance uriel who's a three star archer people are clamoring over her because she's gonna do bonus damage to all the the male sabers in the upcoming camelot chapter which is actually very soon um, oh yeah, yeah. So you don't That's... you don't need to spend a fortune. You don't have yeah. to be one of these horror stories that you hear about, where somebody spends like sixteen thousand dollars on Brave Expius, <laughs> or you know you borrow money from the Yakuza that you can't pay back, which I definitely do not recommend. Um, <laughs> so no, um, the reason I do it is because there are specific characters I want. Uh, yeah. I can afford it, and I. 
I, I use self-control. So the yeah. the baseline that I use is, um, you know, if you're playing a game like like an anime game like Fagrant, or most likely you're probably a figure collector too. So yeah. I think to myself, like, okay, a typical price for a good figure is what? Like around $160, $200 ish without, without it getting like too fancy. So that yeah. right there is my cutoff point. You need to set off, set a cutoff point. Yeah. Um, and what, what, the other thing that may probably help you is like set reminders for things that you actually need to pay for. Like, you know, we're adults, we have bills to pay, we yeah. have, you know expenses just like keep keep that stuff in mind but if you if you're somebody who you know completely lacks self-control of any kind then please stay away from those games for your own good yeah that's my public yeah. service announcement for today <laughs> no i i think that's fair enough i think um I, I think it's worth highlighting that in a lot of cases these games don't really have hard limits on how much you can spend on them but at the same time one thing i do quite like about this modern breed of them is that they i i've never really reached a point in grand blue or fake grand order in particular where i i felt like i was being blocked off from something because i hadn't paid any money so certainly certainly if we're talking like grand blue fantasy which is one i've probably spent more time on uh, you can get through the main story with just the characters that it gives you as part of the main story. Those are sort of uh, SR characters, so they're like four-star characters. Right. And those are all plenty strong enough to get you through the main story and and um, and level up and get your main character up to a suitable level and so on. So, um, And as I say, the events come along and give you the opportunity to get uh, five-star characters and such like. Um, you earn enough in the way of crystals to be able to do regular draws if you time your draws correctly then you'll get the points where the, there are guaranteed five stars when you do a 10 draw and so on so yeah there's it, it is all about self-control um so i mean some may say that you should they should maybe have some limits in place to control people and but well, maybe like it's, a it's, like a pop-up warning or like yeah. they, they just like automatically cut you off or, yeah. or maybe it should be like a setting. You know, you, you put a setting in the game that says, okay, please cut me off after X amount of money. Would that, yeah. that would probably be okay. Mm. So with that in mind then, um, a lot of people do compare Gacha to the idea of loot boxes in, in stuff like modern EA games and Overwatch and stuff like that. Do you think that's a fair comparison? Um, I don't know. I mean... I, I haven't had any personal experience with loot boxes, so I couldn't really say. There is that kind of same mentality as, like, a casino, where, like, you know, you think your chances are bad, but if you spend more money, then your chances will improve, even though the rate actually still stays the same. It's a very, hmm. very low rate in Fate Grand Order. So it's it's really not worth going broke and missing your bills and becoming homeless, paying, you know, playing out of a core cardboard box just because you can't get your waifu or husbando um <laughs> it's just like common sense and and i do get the ar argument that yes it should be regulated but i think that should be left to the game makers themselves and just yeah. keeping the government out of it because whenever the government's involved in anything they just make things worse well the problem with the government getting involved is they often do so without really informing themselves about the the practicalities about it and the and the real context of what's going on so you get some sort of catch-all legislation that aims to sort this out in their mind but it doesn't really take into account how people actually play these games how they're actually spending money and so on and it would it would probably punish the people who are 
able to pay the money on this without really protecting the people who need to be protected so well i don't know how it is over there in the uk but i can tell you firsthand that like 99 percent of our politicians do not understand video games at all in fact right right now actually not right now but like the other day they were holding a panel on violent media and video games because we unfortunately have a school shooter problem and they point to Mm. violent media as possibly being the you know the cause even though there have been repeated scientific studies saying that no that's not it there's other causes so we should look into those instead so that's been an yeah. ongoing argument for years yeah i i the same here to a certain extent i mean we don't have the school shooter problem but we do have sort of inner city stabbings and gang related stuff going on particularly in london and so on I'm not sure whether it's been blamed particularly on violent media and so on, but it's certainly true that a lot of the people in power don't really seem to know what's going on. So, for example, there's um, back when I was on GamePro in about uh, 2011, I, I actually went to the Houses of Parliament for a special event that was going on there. Mm. There was a bunch of uh, software companies and charities and so on. They, they were specifically there to show... MPs what they were doing what they've been working on so there were people like special effect there showing what they've done with disabled gamers um, there were a lot of the the UK studios like um, sort of media molecule and, and and stuff like that were um, around the place showing what they'd been doing with PlayStation and so on mm-hmm. there was a very small turnout of MPs there and it was obvious from interviewing a couple of them that they they sort of learned a lot from that evening because they'd never really looked into it in the past and th- th- this wasn't necessarily sort of old grey-haired white men or anything like that there were sort of younger people there were women and um and that 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 sort of thing in there as well so it was all sorts of different people there but yeah a lot of them just not really knowing what they were talking about with that sort of thing so that, yeah that is definitely a concern with that side of things mm-hmm. but um yeah i guess uh, i guess we'll see where that goes in the next few years and so on so Anyway, so thinking a little bit more positively on this side of things, so Gacha is often used to adapt uh, popular franchises like Fate we've seen and Final Fantasy and so on. So if you could pick one franchise to have your dream Gacha game, what, what would it be? I would probably pick uh, Trails, the Trails series. There's a lot oh, of characters well, yeah. in that series, so I think it would be ripe for Gacha material. Hmm. Yeah, that would definitely be a good one. So yeah, Falcom's got a huge cast of, of characters, definitely that it could pull from. It could even do like some crossovers with Ease and so on as well. Yeah, that's Is money that... in the bank right there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that would be a good one. I, I know um, Idea Factory has actually tried doing Neptunia ones a couple of times, and unfortunately, have not been too successful. But yeah, I, I, I saw some again, of that. It didn't really look too appealing to me. Yeah, I I think yeah. I think it's a case of, of, of making sure that they've got the gameplay there and the ones that are successful these days are the ones that really nail the gameplay side of things as well as the collection side of things because the collection side of things is appealing by itself and having this this bank of beautiful artwork of characters that you really like and so on that is fun but if if there's not really anything you can do with them then it's uh, why bother so 
and and uh, as you say i think that's what grand blue fantasy and fake grand order do really well they provide you with really good narrative context for these characters they make you feel like you're involved with them like you're actually getting to know these characters grand blue fantasy does really well with this by having um what it calls the fate episodes for each character as well so each character's got its own unique little mini storyline that you can follow as well so. yeah fate, fate grand order has that too in like the interlude episodes and the power up quests or whatever you want to call it mm. um so you can kind of get to know you know each servant a little bit more kind of it's it's really great especially if it's like a hero or heroine that, that you really want to to learn more about hmm yeah cool okay so for the last thing i want to say in this then um i was <laughs> i was uh, originally planning for for chris to be here for this discussion because he's not a huge fan of gacha but he 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 enjoys the sort of collection side of things but he's not as much of a fan of uh, like the free-to-play aspects and so on so like he's had a great time with Xenoblade 2 for example mm -hmm. which has basically got a, a gacha system in it that you, you don't put money into you just have items that you've collected throughout the game yeah I've had um, a, I've had a fair amount of luck with that although mm. it doesn't really I, I mean it's a bit annoying because when you roll the, the gacha for each character, your blade becomes attached to that character. So yeah. if you get a tank or a healer on the wrong character, it's like, no, it should be on Nia or it should be on uh, Morag. And it's like, crap, I can't change them because I'm all out of overdrive <laughs> things. And, yeah, well, I guess I'm screwed now. So I wish that I, I wish that that mechanic was changed. But other than that, I mean, I guess I don't mind it. It is yeah. helpful for getting the uh, the Merc missions done. Yes, definitely. But um, and yeah, I just I, think I'm I wish not, it was implemented a little better. I'm not going to spoil anything in the story, but there is something later on that will make your life mildly easier in that regard. I'll, I'll just say. Thank goodness. <laughs> it, it, it's still not perfect, but it, it, it is better once you've reached this particular point. So you, you'll know what I mean when you when I'm talking about it. Well, I'll um, be playing more of that tonight, so I will be looking. For excellent. It excellent so um with all this in mind then um if you were talking to someone who's very resistant to this sort of games to to gacha games to grand blue fantasy to fake grand order and so on what would you say to someone to convince them to give it a go i mean i would just you know look around and find the uh, free-to-play game that's for you um mm -hmm. it, it took me a very long time to find something that i liked um, and I'm glad that Fate um, Grand Order made it to North America and is now spread more around the world. Um, particularly because Fate is such a, a great series, and I'm hoping that they, they do more with it. Like, we've got Extella Link, and I'm yep. hoping that more and more of the franchise... Like, we've got more of the anime coming over. We've, we're going to have Fate Extra Last Encore on Netflix, which I'm really looking cool. forward to watching. Um but I would just say, like, find the find the game that's right for you. It may not even be, like, a traditional gacha game. Like, you know what else I like playing on, on mobile? I like playing Shadowverse. Shadowverse yep. is yep. very close to Hearthstone, but it's got a more anime aesthetic. And um, I, I won't say the rates are great in that or anything, but you can ju do just fine with, uh, you know, the cards that they give you. And they are pretty, you know, like Grand Blue because it's from the same company, Psy Games. Yeah. Um, they are pretty generous with cards. In fact, right now, for the next few days, they still got the second birthday event, so you can get, like, five tickets for card packs right now. You get all these crazy cards. Yeah, um, sweet. 
Yeah, Shadowverse is pretty great. I like that one a lot. Mm. So I think it may just be, you know, a matter of finding the right game for you. That's all. Yeah. I, th I think the thing that finally tipped me over the edge into uh, playing Grand Blue Fantasy in particular was just sort of seeing what an impact that it's had on sort of popular online culture as well. So sort of the way that the, both the game creators and the community have really embraced these games and sort of spread things beyond the games into making fan art and comics and that sort of thing. Like both Grand Blue and Fate Grand Order have got these sort of silly chibi comics um, oh, featuring the characters and, and, and the protagonists and so on. There's tons of fan art for both. See, like, if, yeah. if you look online, you you look on Twitter and say, hey, that's a really cute anime girl. What, where's she from? Your friend tells you it's from Fate Grand Order or Grand Blue or mm. Azure Lane or some other really popular thing. That's going to... That may draw you in. Yeah. Because it certainly drew me in. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, so that is our discussion on Gacha. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up for today? Just, uh take what I said in mind and gotcha responsibly don't go broke over your waifu sound advice I think alright okay we will wrap that up there for now then don't forget to drop by murraygamer.net to uh, catch my articles you can see me elsewhere on YouTube now same channel as this podcast is being hosted on at the minute uh, and Joe where can people find you if they want to catch your streams yes so I'm on twitch tv slash airy channel um, I stream from weeknights, uh, Eastern Time, from 7pm to 11pm Eastern. So look for me there. Awesome. Alright, so that is the end of our episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you around, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember you can watch a video version of it over on YouTube. Be sure to check out moegamer.net for new articles on Japanese and Japanese-inspired video games, new and old, every weekday. Every month, Moegamer features an in-depth exploration of an individual game or series as its cover game, so be sure to check the archives to see if your favourite has had a deep dive yet. If you'd like to support the site directly, please consider becoming a patron or buying me a coffee. You can find links to do both over on moegamer.net. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.